Stop! I will kill you. It has a stopper. It doesn't even like it's less than I have. It's so nice. Okay. Boost to the to the fall of the iron curtain. Yes. Fuck yeah. It's gonna be a let's make Lada cry challenge. Yeah. It's so difficult to make Lada cry. It's like the most difficult thing to do in this household. Welcome to the Apple of Truth and our third summoning episode. This might take a while, so strap in for a wild ride. Yeah, we're already two shots in and ready to talk about some stuff. I did some deep music research, I'm warning you now. I put together some fun facts, which I will read through very quickly when we get to it, but I will not be stopped from it. I will do it because I think it's interesting and everybody else needs to hear it. Also, I spent way too much time on it. Perfectly fine. I got my own weird shit in there. So let's get into it. As you now might be used to, we're gonna have segments. We're gonna talk about season three in Lucifer. We're gonna talk about comparing the seasons. We're gonna talk about the feedback, I think. And the polls. And yeah, we'll see wh what we talk about when we get we'll there. We'll talk about stuff. Yeah. And they're gonna be Lucifer related and they're gonna be us related because we love to talk about ourselves in our summoning episodes. You are welcome. You love us. So we're gonna start with our assessment slash assassination of the most and least character development. Whoop, whoop. I have a bunch of different options for each. So I will let you go first with the most development. And then according to what you say, I'm going to adjust. So I could have gone with the obvious choice, which obviously would have been Charlotte. But because in a later segment, I refused to go with anything else but her, I decided to pick someone else. And that is Amenadiel. Ooh, fun. I have both of those options. Amenadiel, in my opinion, had the most character development because with his you're my test obsession, first being passive, then being active, then he goes from being totally powerless to imitating Lucifer, to being a loyal brother, then trying to be content with his life on Earth. Then he pursues a distracting relationship. Then he gets to be this lonely person. Then he gets to be super selfish. He proves to be a good and true friend, especially to Charlotte and Dan. And in the very end, he realizes that he's unconsciously influencing his own powers and returns to his proper angel self but with all this growth that he has gone through so Amenadiel for me is gonna get the most character development I kind of agree with you I did put down Amos as well but I also put down Charlotte as another option so I will talk about her right now because I'm sure you're gonna talk about her for the rest of the time Charlotte starts out as this character who just came back from hell doesn't really know what's happening she lost some time she goes through some shit she starts doing things therapy she starts working on herself just to get it completely destroyed by discovering the divinity and then she ends up through cooperation with Amenadiel I'd say that would be a big part but also through the relationship with Dan she learns to accept herself and she even says at the end little victories which is a big 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 change from the first Charlotte episode that we had and then she ends her arc on self-sacrifice which is so 180 from what we learned about Charlotte in the first place it's nearly 360 no 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 the 360 would be a return to the original yeah but it's upside down I know 
I'm just, ah, you and your precise math, go away. But yes, yes, so it's a complete, absolute change from what we heard of her or from her at the very beginning. I agree with everything you said, except the part that she gets completely destroyed by proof of the divinity. For me, this was a saving moment for her personality and development. I mean, it definitely helped long term, but at the moment, she definitely kind of broke down. We had a disagreement back in that episode. For me, this was happy tears. For you, this was not. So yeah, I mean, yes, not just that one moment but like in general definitely helped building her up to the very last scene now who do you think had the least development i had a hard time making up my mind because pretty much everyone goes through development this season which is very different to the last two seasons so i appreciate it a lot because even side characters like one could argue even kane goes through a development and of course ella and dan and Maze, and even though many developments are not positive they are still developing so one could argue if it's that development but not no development so the one i settled on because i got so fed up with this is lucifer because all progress and development that he goes through repeatedly gets lost ignored or forgotten but if you look at lucifer in episode one and if you look at him in the last one there is a big big change which in my opinion is gonna be made null and void in the next episode because this is what they have been doing with us and so but we're not talking about season four lena we're talking about episode one season three to episodes 24 season 3. Lucifer is a fucking yo-yo so I don't count it as development. Well I'm not gonna fight you on that one. I'm gonna say Mace for me because for me it was a strong regression to her original self. So she starts out with this plan and finding her place by becoming a bounty hunter. We even have a full-on episode of her deciding consciously to go back and choosing to be in LA with her chosen family. Such a great episode. It's an amazing episode. And then we go from that to, oh, oh, kill everybody, kill everybody. I hate everyone because I'm a demon and I, I need to go back to hell boo and it's just this just reminds me too much of season one maze it's like where's the depth of the character it's just lost for me especially in the last like three episodes of the season i can see where you're coming from to me she is not regressing she's spiraling because she is missing the assuredness that she had in season one in season one she was comfortable in her demon self, in her heartless, soulless, potentially evil demon self. And she slowly started progressing out of there with the acceptance of Trixie and with Linda. And this season, she starts making conscious choices to be part of this chosen family and to open her heart and verbalize and reach out and everything. And then life happens. People lie to her, people hurt her. And she lashes out in the only way that she knows, which is pain. Because that is the only thing that she learned. And this leads her to an utterly self-destructive spiral that, in my opinion, has not finished yet, which is why I'm so unsatisfied with how the season left her be. Now being back to babysitting Trixie without resolving moment between the two of them. Her apparently now being friends again with Chloe without them having a talking through her now being back with Linda because she thought she was in danger. There is a lot of meat missing to resolve the spiraling. So I'm left wanting, but 
I do see a negative development in Mace, which is why I didn't pick her. To me, and I have voiced this concern in the episode itself, and I know that you didn't completely agree with me then, and I feel like that's one of the reasons why you don't really agree with me now, and that is the fact that the way they treat Mace in the last couple of episodes of season three, it feels like they're making her out to be as simple. And I did not like that because they have built her as a colorful and deep character at the start. They made it seem at the end of season three, like nothing happened or counted that did happen to Mace. Yeah, it feels like she's the, you know, she's the basic bitch demon as any other demon from hell. Which is not true. And I feel like we can definitely agree on that. So I can totally see where you're coming from. But in this case, it goes the other way compared to what my emotion regarding Lucifer is. I hope and expect them to continue with this in the next season. Anyway, so a question before we go on. Do we do a shot after each segment or after we're done with Lucifer-related stuff? Uh, How stable do you think you are? I'm starting to feel it already a little bit. Well, then we should definitely do a shot after each. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, cheers to not being able to do any work today and cheers to the fact that I don't have to work tomorrow. Which is great. Cheers. Clink. I forgot how fucking sweet this stuff is. Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) See, this isn't as strong as actual tequila, but it tastes the same. Which is why I would never drink it. I hate tequila. Tequila was my drink when I was growing up. I mean, uh, (laughs) when I was definitely legal to drink. Notch, notch, wink, wink. Our next segment is going to be your favorite relationship of the show. Well, whatever could I have picked for this? And Hmm, is it possible that we might have chosen the same one? No, because I consciously chose a different one because I knew (gasps) you were going to do... Which one are you doing? I am, of course, doing Dan and Charlotte. Good, good. Then I assumed right. I mean, what is there to say that I haven't said already in the past 26 episodes? Everything about this relationship pairing evolution of these two characters together is pure and utter perfection the way they handle it from the storytelling with her not remembering the time as mom but then obviously remembering the hot sex that they had but still they managed to be super respectful about the way he treated her especially which was such a refreshing thing to see and I'm gonna say later on but Dan is now my favorite character because Charlotte is dead (laughs) how sad that never happened by the way but yeah go on I know they they drive off into the sunset and live happily Uh ever after uh we saw them in a car I don't know what you're talking about but the thing is the way they evolved Dan's character and especially the way they evolved him with Charlotte is such a healthy way of portraying masculinity. He is compassionate. He is strong. He is respectful. He opens. Everything that he does
does with her and with himself and the way he also interacts with his daughter and Chloe and even the coming of friendship with Lucifer. Like everything Dan does in itself is very, very high quality human. But especially the way they did with the history he had with mom, unknowing that it's not the same person, still not overstepping boundaries, still being respectful. And Charlotte, even in her fragile mental state, recognizing that this person is worthy of her time and her attention and that this might really be a good thing and good and pure and everything and we didn't have it for very long but it's just perfect i am incredibly angry that they killed her off and ended this relationship i am unspeakably angry but doesn't change the fact that this by far is in my opinion the best relationship in the entirety of season three i do not disagree However, I'm going to go very mainstream. I'm going to go with Lucifer and Chloe. Because, and stop raising the eyebrow on me. I'm very skeptical. Like, very. I can see that one of your eyebrows disappeared to the back of your head. Now, the reason is that, for one, you... I knew you were going to pick Dan and Charlotte. But I also think, and I I truly believe, that they are proving over and over throughout the season that they truly, deeply care for each other. And they should be together, even though every single time they come closer, something else, some problem arises. Which, you know, all kind of graduates into the quintessential Star episode where we get the kiss. But before the kiss, we have the build-up of Chloe realizing why she said yes and she said no to Pierce, that both the reasons were Lucifer. She realizes that she is, in fact, in love with him and makes the conscious decision to try to be with him. And Lucifer not behaving like a child. You know, we both talk about this when we were covering that episode, that we both expected Lucifer to be pissy and dumb about the fact that Chloe decided to go off on her own and solve a case without him, but instead he decided to embrace the fact that she is spending time with him out of her own free will. And this is something that we were debating and we were kind of let through for the last three seasons. So I do wonder what's gonna happen next after the grand finale this season. But as it stands right now, they made their way to each other through so much hardship their relationship is very strong and it's going to be very difficult to break up. And this is why I think it is one of the best relationships of the show and also why the Decker Star ship itself is so strong amongst the fans. Also, the kiss was amazing. Oh, I'm not gonna take anything away from the kiss. The reason why I am not willing to put my name below what you just said is the pain Lucifer has caused caused Chloe by his incredibly ignorant and childish behavior. Best example is when he invites her over for dinner. Yes. That scene is the perfect stand-in why this could never be my pick. And that's fair enough. I mean, you made that choice. You're not wrong with anything that you said, but this moment is a perfect example. As long as Lucifer refuses to give Chloe an actual informed choice, I will not be able to put the two of them on my personal favorite relationship pedestal. That is absolutely fair. I feel like we tend to go in a... And by we, I mean humans 
in general. <laughs> I thought you were you and me. No, no, no. We're we're not talking about. I'm not talking about the two of us. I feel like people we love the most, we tend to hurt the most. What is that Amenadiel quote? I'm not sure which one. We need the most love when we are the most unlovable. Yeah, something like that. I feel like Lucifer because he's trying so bad not to hurt Chloe. He is unconsciously being extremely selfish and he just lives in denial. It's his favorite place to be and I think that is a big, big, big reason to diss him a little bit. But that being said, if you take away the denial, they're just perfect for each other, Lina. Maybe. Chloe won't ever know unless someone gives her a choice. We'll see what's gonna happen after she just saw his devil face. Finally. You are gonna be happy if she's gonna go crazy. I'm gonna sit here and say, you wanted this. I mean, come on. I don't expect her to handle this worse than Linda. Why not? I think she can easily handle it worse than Linda because she is so fundamentally a believer of nothing like that exists. I'm not expecting her to handle it worse than Linda. Well, we'll talk about it a a little bit later when we talk about what we expect from the next season, but yeah. What is the next segment, my dear? The next one is going to be a big one. Favorite episode of season three. Oh my god, that needs a shot. Yes, so just for the record, we did say pick three episodes, you can have one backup and not more exclamation mark. I have two backups, just saying. You broke the rule. I mean, it was a suggestion. But you know, that's actually quite fine. Because you do have five as well? No, because I have three favorite episodes, but I also have an honorable mention for filler episodes that do not belong into season three. And because I do not agree with excluding those episodes, I have five. I'm not excluding them. I'm singling them out. Okay, slanter. <laughs> okay, how are we going to do this? Okay, my number three mm-hmm. is going to be my brother's keeper. Really? Because it is an Ella episode. <laughs> it is the softest big brother Lucifer we could have imagined. Also with the scary big brother Lucifer, which I really appreciated. It also has Trixie with fake mace knives. Oh yeah, true. I forgot about that one. And also it's righteous anger glowing golden eyes Lucifer which was fucking intense so that is my number three my brother's keeper okay 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 well my number three is Mr. and Mrs. Mazikin Smith that is my number three on my not actually season three list and it's because it's a maze episode and it's a beautiful storytelling we have and I mentioned this already we get Mace making my favorite decision of Mace this entire season and that is I'm going consciously back because I love these people and I want to be around them there is one other choice of Mace that I need to mention her choice to bring Todd to the double date. Linda, Amenadiel, her and Todd, the high school poppycock. Oh, yes. Ah, that's a good one. That's true. That is also one of peak Mace decisions. But emotionally, you are absolutely right. Sorry. I did, I did love this episode and there is a lot of great choreography and fights and the fact that Leslie Ann was, I think she was five months pregnant when they shot this episode. It's impressive as fuck. Didn't she tweet that filming this was so strenuous? I don't know. I know that I just saw her tweet recently about this because somebody was being a bitch on Twitter complaining that pregnant women should not be doing any heavy lifting or whatever. And 
Yeah, she wow. loves to clap back at people because they're idiots. She loves to hurt the clowns. Yes. I agree with everything you said. My number two in the top three list is all hands on Decker. Because I get my Daniel Charlotte shipping confirmation. We have the girl group shenanigans happening. This is the breakup of the horrible Pierce-Chloe coupling. Charlotte just rocks the entire episode being the fucking best ever. Also, in my opinion, this can count as a Dan episode. So that's just an additional plus. And of course, the bus driver needs to be mentioned because wow, what a performance in these very few minutes. And last but definitely not least, Trixie's wordless reaction during the bad bachelorette party. Through that. Hence this position for this episode. It is a good episode. My number two is... Vegas with some reddish. That is number one for non-season three for me. Uh, well, we get candy in this episode and the amount of love that I had for candy in season two intensified because this episode just puts it on another level. We find out what happened in Vegas and why Lucifer chose candy as a partner in the first place. We get a lot of backstory on Ella as well, like hints on her gambling issues. And she's wearing those stunning dress, which is incredibly beautiful on her. And then we have the other side back in LA where Chloe and Linda are trying to break into Lucifer's safe. With Dan! And then Dan shows up and it's a huge failure. They're so drunk and it's amazing. And then this entire episode ends on... Lucifer giving Chloe the bullet and there's just so much beautiful dialogue and emotions and everything it's just I think it's very good and very important for their character and their like internal relationship to see that ending and the softness and the fact that Lucifer talks to her when he thinks that she's asleep and she's not asleep because it's just there is just so much happening in this episode that I love and it was so beautifully shot yes the way they end up sitting on the bed when they embrace (sighs) I still remembered this shot because it was so beautiful Mm, yeah all right time for number one drum roll Till Death Do Us Part. That is one of my backups. I chose Till Death Do Us Part as my number one because K-pop music and fight scene was such a perfect combination. Maze's weapon passion scene was so brilliant. It was very good. Lucifer mimicking Linda as a psychoanalyst, rearranging Pierce's office. Oh, that was brilliant as well. Lucifer and Pierce being married was hilarious. Fucking hilarious. The progress for Dan and Charlotte in this episode also really made me very, very happy. And the scale-tipping second was when Pierce and Lucy are in the penthouse and Pierce says to Lucy... Get the chainsaw. Yeah, I forgot about that moment. It's just so soft and nice. Aww. This is why it won out over All Hands on Decker because the childish joy in Lucifer when Pierce says, get the chainsaw, just is so incredible. Aww, I forgot about that. How dare you bring that (laughs) cuteness to my life. This is gonna come up later again. Yes, I am sure of that. (laughs) 
Okay, my favorite episode of season three was Quintessential Decker Star. Oh, wow. So the last scene never happened. But <laughs> I think it was a really well-balanced episode. We had a lot of really good things happening. And then we had the setup for the finale happening at the end, which never happened. And not only we get the kiss that I already talked about in the previous segment, but we also get the fight between Mezikin and Kane, which obviously I have my issues with. But the choreography itself and the way it is shot and Maze's decision to her decision to stay and fight him made me very happy but not to kind of take away from that I think the most beautiful part of that episode is what happens between Emma Nadeel and Charlotte because this is the first episode where Ames actually becomes likable character again where he dips from the just shut the fuck up already to finally you're finding a way to my heart and the whole tip on the scale towards the goodness is supported by Charlotte being there and going through and then repeating the little victories small victories and it's just so beautiful seeing that development and finally getting that payoff for both of these characters. Charlotte going through the case and being able to put away somebody that she has let go all these years earlier. It's just so much for me emotionally. It is the one episode that made me tear up. Oh, I cried but for very different reasons. And this episode traumatized me way too much to ever make any positive top threes. I cannot disagree with anything that you said, but <laughs> as per usual. No. Yeah. That no, that's fair. I chose it specifically because it was so emotional. And good television does that to you. I mean, it's very unlikely that I will watch the last episode of Rose on Doctor Who anytime soon, the Doomsday, but it is a brilliant episode. You know, like that's what good television and good writing does to you. Oh yeah, absolutely. But if I can choose episodes that didn't hurt me as much, but still made me happy, then I'm always going to choose those for my top three. And that is fair enough. Now, do you want me to mention the one backup that I had? Yes. It was off the record because I loved the changed perspective. I loved that Lucifer is not the main character and we're not following him around. We're seeing the influence that Lucifer can have on a normal human being. The side effects. The other things that are around it that are just a bonus. Just that unique point would deserve this episode to be in my top five. I have a top two in my not actually season three episodes. Number one, Vegas with some radish. Number three, Mr. and Mrs. Mezzikeen. But number two, Once Upon a Time. That is a good episode. It is such a love letter to the fans. It is an accumulation of callbacks that can only be appreciated by people who watch this show with love in their heart and appreciation in their eyes. Which we have proven by bringing on somebody to talk about this who hasn't seen the rest of the show. Which was hilarious. But most of importantly it gives me a happy ending for Charlotte and Dan and I needed that so I am very grateful but if we had had the same episode on my standard top three my backup would have been high school poppycock because of the maze bringing Todd to the diner and everything because it was just so fucking hilarious yeah it was very good okay did we drink before I am just thinking about that don't think do let's Jesus. Are you ready? No. Why is your glass so empty? Because it's a very big glass. Ugh. 
Hold your hold your glass next to your hand so I can. So the thing is that this one is the same size as mine. Yes, but yours has like a thicker glass. This is a very thin glass. No. Now there's tequila on my my sister's laptop. <laughs> Don't tell her. The recording will tell her. Shh. No, I'll cut it out because I'm editing this one. Oh, right. Ha ha! Outsmarted you! Ta da! Okay, now. Are you ready to face the music? <laughs> I had to. Sorry. I love you. You only say that because you're drunk. Yes, but also. <laughs> I would have felt that emotion if I were sober. I just wouldn't share it. Awesome. Yeah. Since I started with the last one, now you start with your number three. Okay, my number three. And we had, I think that you counted them. It was over 130 songs in season three. 140, I think. Yes. And that excludes the small number, but yet still a number of YouTube songs. So I was looking through some of the songs and I went through all of my notes. Wow. Now, number three on my list. I have decided to go with Jobin Esposito. You're the best around. Nice. That did not even make my top five. How dare you? I have reasons. Because my number three is... John the Revelator by Larkin Poe. Oh, fuck yeah. I was considering putting this one on, but yeah. It's so good. And it's a song that I didn't know before, but that has really snuck into my brain. So it had to be on the list. I also did a Devils in the Music on this one. So if you go to the episode's bonus, whichever episode that was in, you will find me talking about that song. It's really interesting and very, very cool. It's a great song. Well, my number two is by Kalio. It's called Hot Blood. And it's one of the three songs of the same album that have, were used on the show. The two of the same album were used in season two. And the reason I picked this one is because the third one finally kicked me into actually starting listening to the album. And now I just listen to Kalio because I love them. <laughs> It's a great band. That is a very, very, very fair choice. I went with something because of baggage, because I went with Dust in the Wind by Kansas for my number two. That is my honorable mention, because that song actually doesn't play in the show. It is just very badly sung by Tom Welling slash Kane. I don't care. It's on the list. It counts. Fair enough. Now I, I feel like I should mention that if it's on the episode list... It counted season three, but I mean, here we are. <laughs> Don't use my argumentation against me. That's never gonna work. Uh-huh. It's only by Kansas on the playlist because we don't have the version sung by Tom Ellis. Tom Welling. Uh, Tom Welling, sorry. Tom like Tom. Yeah, well, I'm gonna go with my top choice here. Drum roll. Brrr. Shockingly, it's Valerie Broussard. Which of her 17 songs? I actually have two different songs for, of hers <laughs> as my top choice. And it's it's because one of them is solo, just her, and it's a YouTube only. But it's a brilliant song. And I just, it's called Cross My Heart. And it's amazing. But as my 
real or shared top song, I went with Start a War, which is Valerie Broussard with Clergy. And it's heartbreaking and beautiful and amazing and slow and quick. And it just has everything. It's a very big emotional journey for me. I love her. I am not surprised that you went with one of her songs. I am a bit surprised that you went with two of her songs for your number one. <laughs> hey, at least now it's not she, me she. breaking the top three rules. <laughs> So I'm not going to complain. And of course, I can maybe very much relate going with an emotional choice for your number one. Because I went with Heroes by David Bowie <laughs> as my number one song for season three. And if you want to know why this is an emotional choice... Well, you have to be a patron of at least the believer level because this is in the bonus material for this episode. And spoiler, maybe two people cried. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not a person. I mean, I didn't cry. I had number four and a number five just in case you broke the rules and had more than three songs. What are you talking about? And since you had an honorable mention and two number ones, I feel like I am now entitled to share number four and five with you. Gee. Okay, well, tell me now. So my number four is Turn Down For What by DJ Snake and Little John. <laughs> Okay. Oh my god, there's one song. I think it's called Down in season three. And it's just piano and this person singing. And it's really, really good. And then just for the refrain, it goes into a beat. And then it just goes for the verse back into a that. I love that song. I forgot to put it in my backup. I'm sorry. So that is now the extra honorable mention for you. Yeah. And my number five, because I mainly put this there in expectation to not mention it because I expected you to have this or one of the others in your list. I Will Survive by Tom Ellis and Sky Townsend. I feel like we need to mention at least one of the songs sung by the cast in this season because also while we started covering season three, the official album came out where we finally got the proper recordings. And this duet is an amazing interpretation of the song. It's a great cover of a great song. And the way it's used in the episode is absolutely amazing. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things. I feel we should not be talking about favorite songs in season three and not mention at least one of the cast songs. That is absolutely fair. Now, technically, uh, her name is Sky Townsend, right? I think so, yeah. Technically, she is one of the most frequent artist in uh, season three because there is I believe three songs no no that's Valerie Broussard it's always Valerie Broussard well one of them is what I'm saying so I mean shout out to her but all of her songs are obviously in just that one episode now I have some statistics for you I wanted to write down the top three most played artists but there is a whole bunch of artists that have two songs only so I'm not going to list all of them. I'm just going to mention a few of them. But before I get to that, the most played artist, hold on to your heads. This is a surprise and shocking and whatever. The most played artist in season three is Valerie Broussard. No, <laughs> say it isn't so. So she had three collaborations in season three plus one solo song and at least at least those and at least six songs in total so far in the first three seasons I say at least because I did go through all my notes and try to find all the YouTube only songs because we don't have them unfortunately we do not have the playlist for them on YouTube created 
it just yet. There is a small chance that I may have missed some, so that's why I say at least six. Also, when you listen to this, then the playlist will exist on YouTube. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, well, that sounds great. I believe you. And then we have a whole bunch of artists that have two songs. I have decided to mention the few that are repeated from previous seasons. So we had Cold War Kids with two songs in season three and at least four in total. We have Powers with two songs in season three and at least four in total. We have Ex-Ambassadors with two songs in season three and at least three in total. Ex-Ambassadors also had the very first song of season three. And I do have special mention to the Rolling Stones, which is a band that has three songs in the Lucifer What? soundtrack so far. It doesn't seem like it. They have at least one song in each season. What? I know, right? Wow. Okay. Speaking of famous artists, David Bowie only has two songs, but we're hoping they bring him back. Which is just unfair. They did the mentioned heroes and they did Rebel Rebel in season two. Which, by the way, is the most covered song of David Bowie, supposedly. I love Rebel Rebel. I don't have the emotional connection to heroes. So to me, Rebel Rebel is just better. Although now knowing what you told me in the bonus, I might have to readjust that. And now I have a fun fact, two fun facts, as a matter of fact. <laughs> We have a song, the very same song that has been used twice. It's called Devil Souls. I have mentioned it in the episode as well. It is by Dirty Monster and it played in episode 10 of season three and episode 25 of season three. It's unbelievable that they used the same song in the same season twice. I know, right? And then we have In the Air Tonight, which is used twice in two different versions, None of which is by Phil Collins, which is the original. I can't wait. Like, seriously, if they use the original version, I'm gonna be so ecstatic. It's one of the best songs ever written, honestly. It's so good. <laughs> so, yeah, that is my gathering of musical facts for season three. Oh, wow. You are welcome. You didn't care, but I told you anyway. I didn't know I could have this kind of information, so I didn't care before, but now I care. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Now, we have to wrap up the season three focus-related stuff with the most painful, problematic, annoying, disgusting segment of the bunch, which is our... Favorite Kane moment, both our favorite moment when we hated him and our favorite moment when we nearly liked him. We agreed to pick one and have one backup, but I have a top three for each. I don't have top three. I have a one and a backup, but I can go with top three. I'm sure one of these moments is gonna be shared, though. At least one of each. Okay, so my number three moment for favorite moment when we hated him is when he broke Chloe's heart by saying, I can't do this anymore. Ah, gross. Hate him. It was just... Ugh. That was... Very bad. Yeah, but it only made my number three. That speaks volumes. Right? So my backup on this, I'm gonna go with the backup first, is when he nearly gets Chloe shot in like episode three or something <gasps> like that. Oh my God, a great choice. It's his own choice to bring her there and it just shows how little he cares about 
anybody but himself that he like without any hesitation whatsoever he brings her into a mortal danger and he doesn't even fucking blink that is a very good point I completely forgot that thank you for reminding me of how much we hate him <laughs> you're welcome my number two is when he recruits Mace into his plan uh, no. while she is in her vulnerable state because not only because of what he's doing but also in my opinion this is the point cause and reason why her character arc sucked so much yes so I blame Kane for the writing and the writing for Kane fuck him so much oh my god <sighs> okay well <laughs> I didn't expect this to be so infuriating <laughs> Shocking, I know. I should have seen this coming, but here I am. So my one moment was when he reveals to Mace that he doesn't give a fuck if Chloe gets hurt at all. She says, you know, this is pretty heartless that you're doing this. And you can see that he already kind of cares for Chloe, but it's still... He says, oh yeah, sure, this is what's gonna happen because I want this and I want this outcome to, to happen and I don't give a fuck about anybody else. Which is, again, extremely selfish and he knew what the consequences of his actions are gonna be. He cared about Chloe and yet he still put himself first. Wow, I did not expect that to be your most hateful Kane moment. Did you not? What is yours? When he shot Charlotte. Oh, fuck. I, that didn't happen. That's why I didn't have it on my list. It just never happened. There is no contest. This is the most hateful moment for Kane when he shoots Charlotte with the bullets meant for a mana deal. Yeah, I don't disagree with it. You're absolutely right. And the only reason it's not on my list is because I refuse to believe that it actually <laughs> happened. <laughs> oh, God. My face is hurting. I'm laughing too much. And my face is getting really hot and I want to take off my glasses, but then I won't be able to read my notes. No, I'm, I'm hurting because I'm smiling so much and not used to that. You're welcome. We're prolonging your life. Every five minutes of laughter makes you live five years longer, right? Okay, I took off my glasses for this one because I'm getting really warm with the amounts of shots that we've been drinking. Oh, by the way, we forgot to do a shot before we started oh, the yeah. cane segment. So <laughs> should we do it now? Yes, of course. <laughs> So if I start being unable to speak or read... If you're even less coherent than usual, you It's mean? because I can't see the letters in front of me because I've been wearing glasses for three and a half months. What's your excuse on every other day? Well, usually I'm not as bad. Now the letters are kind of dancing around and they're very fuzzy. You know you can zoom in, right? So it's bigger. It's not about them being small. They're just unfocused because I've been wearing the glasses for the last hour. If you make them big enough then it's gonna be easier Cling. that's what she said oh yeah i'm fun you make me drink so much lena i know i'm such a great influence now <laughs> we were halfway through our segment before we got so rudely interrupted with influence with i forgot my segue <laughs> so now the second part of this cane related segment is my top three moments when we nearly liked Kane. And since you have two, we're just going to do it the same way. Number three for me is when he's married to Lucifer. That is my number two, yeah. I absolutely agree. Till Death Do Us Part is a brilliant episode. And especially the moment where Lucifer comes back and kisses him. Yes. And he just kind of lets him. It's just so cute. I love oh, it. They're so adorable together. 
So this is an agreement. This is an agreement and that is also my backup. So you go on. What's your number two? Let's see if, if I managed to match your number one with one of my two or one. My number two is when his goal is still just to die and he teams up with Lucifer and goes, get the chainsaw. Ah, uh, yeah, it's a great moment. It's not the one that I have, but it is a beautiful moment. You mentioned it already and I just love it so much. Yeah, I, I had to go back to this because this is one of my favorite moments. It's not my favorite moment, but let's hear your favorite first. So my favorite moment is pretty much the entire Infernal Guinea Pig episode where we get to meet Abel. <laughs> I can very much empathize with having annoying siblings because I have two <laughs> older siblings. And boy, oh boy, the fights we got into and the kind of listening to or watching the interaction between Cain and Abel, it gives you the background that you need to understand why Cain is who he is and it makes you sympathize with him. So that was the time when I was almost like, I kind of actually like him because I understand him. So that's why it is my moment. Fair enough. I mean, I'm also a younger sibling, but for some reason that didn't register because my favorite Kane moment where I mostly nearly liked him when we learn that he has a rock collection. Oh, that's just so cute. It just humanizes him so much and it also was such a great fit for the character. I feel the motivation behind both of our favorite moments is the same. It's making him human. It makes him... Relatable. Relatable, yeah. And this is what good writing is. Like, you can't have a villain that you're gonna just hate. You have to have moments when you kind of feel for him because then the betrayal is gonna hurt so much more. And like you just said, being able to relate to the bad guy is one of the marks of good writing because if we don't relate to the bad guy at all, we're simply not gonna care. And this transitions us perfectly into something that the two of us really wanted to talk about, which is comparing all the big bads of the three seasons we had so far. Because with Malcolm, Mom and Kane, we really have McCain. some... We need to make them all starting with M. Malcolm, Mom and Pierce. Marcus! 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 Marcus Pierce, yes! Yes, we got there. Awesome. So with Malcolm, Mom and Marcus Pierce, we have three very, very different types and archetypes of big bats and so we wanted to talk about it at least for a short moment and also keep it in the back of our mind for season four and see if we have a new big bad show up like most shows do for each season so vero share okay well i have gone through my memory and i have established in my brain that my english sucks but also <laughs> Cain is the worst because, to me, Malcolm, as gross as he was, he didn't actually do much damage. He was just an unhinged human with very limited resources, just kind of running around. Granted, he didn't really care what happens to him, but he just didn't have that much power. Mum ultimately wanted just her family to be reunited. She essentially didn't want to harm anybody, but also, yes, she went through some other shit and not all of her things were always like the best solutions and whatever. But in the end, she was not malicious. However, Kane is a combination of the worst 
in the other ones. So not only he is an unhinged human that doesn't have anything to lose, he also has a strong, big, powerful criminal organization standing behind him. He also has LAPD and police departments in general behind him because he has ranks. But also he's extremely malicious. He doesn't care about anybody but himself, except for that one short moment where he breaks Chloe's heart. He genuinely just doesn't care who he's gonna hurt. And he will go out of his way to be mean and have the most ruthless attitude. And he's just rotten and I hate him. He makes me feel the most anger. I approached this from a very different angle because I looked at the three big bads and I realized... Did they all start with M? No. Damn it. I realized they are all incredibly selfish. Every single one of them comes from a singular place of selfish motivation. Malcolm already was a shitty human, but when we meet him as the big bad for our season one, his selfish motivation is to not go back to hell. Which also is a great parallel to season three with Charlotte to see how different two types of humans can deal with this. But his selfish motivation is to find a way to not be sent back to hell while still being a horrible piece of shit. And in his quest to not go back to hell, he hurts everyone and everything around him with no regards for anything but himself. What made him especially gross is his behavior on top of this, especially with his obsession of food. Oh yeah, I remember that. That was done really, really well because it was such a strong visual and it made him extra gross and disgusting. Not because of the amount that he ate, but of the way that he ate. And mom also extremely selfish and you say, well, she just wanted her family. I say, no, she wanted her family how she considered it to be right. She didn't just want her family, she wanted her family on her own conditions. And that is what also made her singularly selfish. And she was basically willing to destroy all of humanity for this, which in my opinion makes her the biggest threat of all three of them. Because Malcolm was only dangerous to a very, very small percentage of people. Mom was a potential world cataclysm event waiting to happen. In fairness, though, it kind of comes down to the good old trolley problem. Do you care more about the characters that we know or the unnamed masses? Oh, no, no, no. For me, the most important thing is that Malcolm at the very end died continuing what he had been doing all along. But mom managed to actually come around. Mom got proper redemption. She realized what she was doing. She realized the potential consequences of her actions. And she was willing to act accordingly and leave into the other universe. So in my opinion, mom is the one of the three big bads that actually got resolved and as grating as I considered her to be and I mean we all remember how much I hated Trisha Helfer as mom props to the actress mom as a character got resolved really 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 well all the selfishness wasn't all that she was in the end which is really impressive and then we have Kane and Kane is the worst mixture of the two of them because on the one hand he is human but also he has one foot in the supernatural he has way more power than Malcolm but not enough for a cataclysmic earth-shattering event so he's basically in the middle he has this short moment when he breaks Chloe's heart where he's not selfish but he instantly regresses back 
back to being a selfish fucking asshole. So he, in my opinion, is the worst combination of Malcolm and Mom, which at the end makes him the most disgusting and terrifying villain of our three seasons. Which also, in my opinion, explains why we had such conflicted emotions about him, because there were no positive moments with Malcolm. And mom in herself also didn't cause this much emotional turmoil within us. So yeah, as much as I hated Kane, in my opinion, he is the best of the three big bats. Yeah, I think that we both approached it differently, but we come to the same conclusion. <laughs> so yeah, that is Kane. And now we can have a conversation about the general thoughts slash stuff regarding season three. Before we do that though, we A, have to take a shot and B, I need to deliver on what I promised. Which is the title count. Oh yeah. Cheers. <laughs> Nazdravi. Ta-da. Then there were light. <laughs> I'm God. No, because first was word. You have never read Faust, right? No. I didn't want to do that to myself. I, I read Faust. I played Faust. For several years. Oh yeah, you told me about this. And I still know most of Faust 1 by heart. But in German, of course. Okay, start. Uh, fuck. Da du, oh Gott, dich wieder einmal nahst und fragst, wie alles sich bei uns befinde und du mich für gewöhnlich gerne sahst, so siehst du mich auch unter dem Gesinde. Verzeih, ich kann nicht hohe Worte machen und wenn mich auch der ganze Hof verhöhnt. Da, no, so drunk, sorry. That was when Mephisto speaks to God. It's beautiful. I understood everything you just said. <laughs> Every single word you just said, I knew exactly what you were saying. And that being said means I speak German and I'm amazing. <laughs> In conclusion. Sure. Okay. General shit uh, stuff. General shit is the perfect title for this segment. I made a promise and I am going to deliver on this promise because I insist to this very moment that season three is only the episodes that were meant for season three. While we went through season three, I utterly and completely lost count of who said the title how many times. And I just gave up in the middle of it somewhere and decided, you know what, I'm just going to do a count when we're finished. It was very time consuming, but I did it. <laughs> So, we have, of all 26 episodes that are attributed to season 3, we have 15 episodes titled Said by Lucifer, 14 actual season 3, 1 season 2 insert, nobody cares, and we have 11 total that are not said by him, obviously, which are 6 actual season 2 episodes, 3 season 2 inserts, and two alternatives once. And I just want to point out the Cinnamon, everyone says the title, and the Sinbin, a sign says the title. A sign says the title. It doesn't technically say it audibly, but it's there. Do you want to know who's the runner-up character that says titles? I'm gonna guess. It's Ella. Correct. <gasps> I'm so proud of myself. Episode 8 and episode 22. Is it just two? Yeah. I mean, two is more than one. So, yeah, nah. I'm proud of myself for guessing that right. Me too. Very, very well done. So, I will share my thoughts. It was a long season. Too long. I was not loving it at first, I have to say. But they did manage to connect the Sinnerman to the ending storyline well enough. 
I mean, they managed to connect it, which is shocking and surprising. <laughs> so that kind of checks the box for me. Thank you for adjusting this because yes, they managed to connect it, but not well enough. Yeah, I'm uh, the most pissy about Mace. And I've said it time and time again. I said it during the actual specific episodes. I said it today already. It just makes me really sad. And I wish it wasn't as bad. And then we have the case of Trixie, who hasn't been mentioned properly yet in this episode and she was pretty much non-existent in season three that is why we haven't mentioned her yet she's been in the background and she's been part of some sort of plot points at some stages where mace was being rude to her or they needed somebody to look after her or babysit or whatever you want to call it so they used her as a plot device and as a wingman that was one of the best moments yes but it was just so fleeing they wasted her in my opinion opinion they fucking wasted her i feel like there must have been more or she had other engagements that she couldn't be on set she had to go to school or i don't know why i don't know why she wasn't in nearly enough and that also makes me extremely sad well i mean at least they didn't do anything illogical with her yeah true so you know the upsides of non-existent character is that they don't fuck it up and then short moment to talk about pierce again as a villain, the introduction was very, very good. What I really liked about the arc was at the beginning, it took them a while to reveal that it's actually Kane. And I remember that we've had a lot of debates that obviously didn't make it into the actual episode because we are trying <laughs> to stay spoiler-free about what each action that he makes, how horrible it seems without the context of knowing that he is Kane actually, and he knows who Lucifer is and stuff like that. We've had loads of debates like that and some of them made it into the bonus some of them they ended up in the bin in the sin bin <laughs> but they definitely proven that it was so well written that the rewatch was so rewarding and therefore i can't really diss the beginning of the season too much because it gave me that so i feel like there are extreme amazing bits of writing in this season and it suffers from being too long it suffers from having too many fillers. But overall, it's even though it's deluded, it's a great piece of television. I really enjoyed it and I love this show. I mean, there is a reason why we're still doing this. There's a reason why we decided to do a podcast. Yeah, it's a great show. It's really well written. And even though we have our issues and we're nitpicky at times, season three was very difficult for our critical selves, I have to say. However, coming out on the other side of it, I'm happy with it. Um, How do I put this? I don't per se disagree with anything you said. I feel like you've said that a lot today and yet there's always a but. <laughs> there's always a but. A few things. I want to elaborate on the cinnamon thing because yes, they did tie it up in the end, which was extremely important to me and I made that very very clear in the specific episode and I also like how they tied up with Charlotte but in my opinion the cinnamon plot in itself was utterly wasted there was so much potential with it what they should have done is to do a season that is specifically cinnamon and then do a season that is specifically Kane or a proper mid-season finale not with the bullshit 
that we got. So I was very disappointed with the cinnamon revelation and they made it okay in the end. But in my opinion, it could have been so much better. I agree with you that even though the season suffered immensely from being too long, having too many fillers, having too many episodes that didn't belong into the season, because that really disrupted the continuity of the storytelling. So while I am grateful that we got these episodes, because let's not kid ourselves, those inserts were amazing. I mean, there is a reason so many of those inserts ended up on our top five episodes lists. Exactly. So I am super appreciative that we got those episodes, but I feel it would have been better for season three if we had gotten them as a bonus or something. So I have very, very mixed feelings when it comes to that. I also have extremely mixed feelings when it comes to Maze, which is entirely gonna be dependent on how they deal with her in season four. Because if it continues like it was in season three, I'm fucking angry because we said this is season three summoning. So I'm only gonna focus on season three. And this leaves me with just one person of my favorite characters. Danielle! Yes, because Charlotte is dead and... This mace is not my favorite person anymore. And Linda... Linda is long gone, and in my opinion, she still fucking needs to go to therapy. Send a therapist to therapy on a TV show. Like, that's gonna happen. Actually, that would be such an important sign. It would, but that's not what's gonna happen. I know. So... I am left with just one favorite character for my top three. But I also have to say Chloe is a very strong contender because she has grown onto me so much because they finally have stopped making her dump for storytelling sake. And I now have fully embraced her competence and qualifications and everything. So Chloe is a very, very, very high contender to come into my top three and we'll see who person number three is gonna be i don't know yet and the last thing i have to complain about for season three because i cannot let it stand without saying it once more i am so angry with them for the love triangle amenadiel and linda not being allowed to be friends but having this pseudo romance that was only meant to distract each of them from their from their actual problems rubs me so much in the wrong way because To me, it is so important that we have positive examples of men and women being just good friends. Because we have so few of those. And their friendship was going so well. Yes, it was such a healthy representation. Usually you either have sexual interest or it's the sibling-like feeling like Lucifer and Ella. Lucifer and Ella have zero sexual tension between them but it is very very clearly a big brother little sister dynamic and Linda and Amenadiel were allowed to have this on the same eye level friendship as two grown-ups with the same competence level in different areas of expertise and This is what I, as an Arrow person, want to see. You don't need to push everyone into a love relationship. It is okay to be friends. And of course, this is what started the descent of Mace that then crescendoed into being recruited by Pierce and ended in the ruination of one of my favorite characters. So the fucking love triangle is the big issue I have with season three. And I will stop now grinding about it, but I had to make this point one final time. So I now never have to bring it up again. <laughs> That's fair enough. No, I agree. No, we talked about this instance and this problem 
So you go into the questions after. Before we go into the questions, we have to drink a shot because you've been sitting there waiting that we drink one. But at least now you have been patiently listening to me. Slanche. Mm-hmm. Questionnaire. So I have three questions that are not yet in the questionnaire, but then maybe we can talk about if we want to add them. So number one is what you already said before we talked about the summoning episode, which is why was Charlotte sent back to her body? Yeah, because I feel like this is a very important important question because I would like to know if it had any other reason but a plot driving the thing is we already have in the questionnaire how did Charlotte get from hell back into her body so it's very similar and so I'm just gonna adjust it to how and why Mm -hmm. I mean we have learned a little bit about how souls get out of hell into bodies in this season so I feel like how is sort of self-explanatory now somebody had to yank her soul from hell but who that is another question and why so many questions the second question that I want to pose is what illness did Amenadiel have when he thought he had chlamydia because he did have symptoms I thought that they established that it was just a cold. Did they? I don't know. I might be misremembering. Well, that's enough of an answer that it might not make it into the questionnaire. Maybe it was... But a cold does not have the same symptoms as chlamydia. Possibly. I don't know. I've never had chlamydia. Me neither. And my last question that I want to put up for discussion if it gets added to the questionnaire. Why did they kill off Charlotte? Was it character reasons? Did they want to tie up her arc? Or did the actress have other commitments? Yeah, I would like to know that as well. So I'm gonna add this to the questionnaire. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. That was all the questions that I wrote down that were missing from the questionnaire. Do you want me to just very quickly go through the questionnaire for season three? It's not that long. I'm gonna tie you go for it the first question where were the four cut episodes originally placed in season two were there adjustments made to the shot episodes once it was clear where they were positioned question two tom ellis tell us about the horse in episode four what horse (laughs) question three is the amount of eyeliner lucifer uses deliberate to show a relation to his honesty vulnerability or level of detachment slash deception this is such a good question that is a good question seriously kind of ties in to our original concept for the show yes the guy liner so now the adjusted how and why did charlotte get back from hell into her body Next question. Do angels have fingerprints? Because Lucifer tends to leave a lot of fingerprints all over crime scenes. True. I forgot about that one. That is a good question. I fucking love this question. We have a secret question. Is Ella more than vanilla human? Potentially Gaudium. If you want to know who Gaudium is, I think I talked about that in some bonus material, at least a bit. Actually, you know, you will understand us a whole lot better if you become a believer-level patron, at least. Because you will get access to our bonus material where we explain ourselves. We don't, but we like to give you the illusion. No, we try, because you just get more, and more helps understand us better. Next question. Does one celestial power affect other celestials. Ah, I remember that one. Because we had this discrepancy, because Amenadiel's power does not affect Lucifer, but Uriel's probability power also worked for Lucifer when they had the fight. So we wanted to check if there was like a general answer. Question for Lauren German. What movie slash TV work did Chloe Decker do as a child actress? I forgot about that question. It's a great question. 
Next question. Why did Lucifer never have a pet shark? Because he says in episode 17 that he always wanted a pet shark. That is the most precious question ever. And I love it. And I love that it's on the list. It's there because you put it there. So you're absolutely right. It's very precious. And then last question. Who called Chloe in episode 23 about Charlotte when she confirms in episode 24 that there were no witnesses? We had a poll about this, but I still want official confirmation. Yep, that is fair enough. Also, we had inconclusive results of that poll. So we know what we think is right, but we need to know what actually is right. Yeah, and that concludes the questionnaire for season three. Obviously, we are gonna make a new list for season four. And whenever Lux 2 happens, we will do everything in our power to answer as many of these questions as possible. So we will be in every fan meet. We will queue for every Q&A and have our list ready and ask as many of those as we can. Yes. Pinky promise. And if any of our listeners are gonna be a Lux 2, we can set up a meeting and have alcohol together. Well, obviously, but hand them one of the questions so they can help us figure out the answers to our questionnaires. And you would get a sticker if you do that for us. Well, obviously. Okay, am I right to assume that the next point of order is the stuff we monitor, the polls? Yes. All right. Shot! Everybody shot now. Do, 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 do. Ching, ching, ching. Bing! Alrighty. Stuff we monitor. I have three polls and one backup, just like we agreed. Same. Awesome. So, my third favorite poll was posted on December 17th, 2020. I have screenshots, that's how I know. And one of the reasons I picked it is because it proved me right. I ignored all of those that proved me wrong. Yes, and I have picked those for my polls. So, it was, was it all part of Reese's hell loop with only fragments of real events? Or did we watch him live through it on Earth and only after his actual death it became his hell loop? It ended up being 33% all hell loop and 66% my option, he lived it first. You're all wrong. I was right. It makes sense. And the public agreed with me. I actually have to let this one slide because that is exactly the same reason why I picked my number three, which is Danielle and Charlotte's ship name. And I don't care that nearly nobody voted. I still won. So, Shaniel, it is. Whatever, it's horrible. I don't care. I was right. Okay, my second favorite poll was posted on November 26th. It is, I think, episode three. But it is the horse joke is the best thing of this episode, period. That's my backup. <laughs> Option A, yes. <laughs> Option B, yes, but in horse. And option three, what horse? That is my backup because I could not assign a number to this. It's just so good. Obviously, what horse won with rightfully overwhelming so. 66.7% and it made me extremely happy. And it's only 0.7 because of rounding. So let's face it, it's 666. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that, but you are absolutely right. So that was boy number two. I love it with my whole heart. 
My number two is who is worse at relationships? Because I did not expect this to turn out the way it did. I only voted Lucifer because I was sure everyone else was gonna say Pierce, but it ended up being Lucifer. And I was very surprised that this should teach me always vote with what you think yourself and not what you think others are gonna say. Exactly. That's what the point of the polls is. So now we come to my number one. Drum roll. I'm sure you know which one it is because this is the one where I'm going to call you out. The dominating theme this week was Bones. Lucifer was obsessed. Vero has always been obsessed. So let's help Vero convince Lena that the show is truly worth her time by telling us, have you watched Bones and did you like it? And the winning answer is Bones is the best Watch now, which gotten over 50%. So I have only one question for you, Lina. Have you started watching Bones yet? No. And if not, when are you gonna? The amount of people voting and the amount of people saying no or not necessary was more than enough that I feel very comfortable in my minority position. I'm sorry. No and not interested at all gained 12%. Bones is the best. Watch now. Got 56%. I feel... Like, you have been voted over and you promised. No, I didn't. You did. You have heavily implied. No, you heavily interpreted. You heavily implied that if this poll is gonna go my way, you're gonna at least give it a try. That's all what I'm saying. I said I might. Watch the first season. If I find something to exchange with you. Yes. I will watch anything. I will watch a horror movie. I'm gonna give you a season one of something. And we both commit to watch the season one. Season one has 22 episodes. I'm going to give you a season one of a show and you're going to watch the entirety of it. I will. I promise. Even if it's something that I will be disgusted with. Or whatever. Yes. Good. So now we have the promise that Lena will watch Bones. Good. Yes. I will watch season one. At least. I will watch season one and then we're going to reevaluate. Fine. We can talk about it later. Perfect. My number one poll is, without competition, in my opinion, the best poll. And if there wasn't a personal note for the Bones poll, I'm pretty sure you would agree. Which quality of Lucifer does Dan have, in Lucifer's opinion? Honestly, that did not even crack my top five. Wow. I adore this poll so much, mostly because there is no winner. Yeah, because... Factuality was the winner. Sorry, I had to say it like that. And I know that you don't understand because you haven't still haven't watched Miranda, but <laughs> that's what I voted for. I just adore the fact that clever, unpredictable, and sexual have the same amount of votes, and handsome is the losing one. So I just enjoyed this poll so so much. Also, we posted it on April 1st, which just made it even better. That's fair enough. Do you want to know my backup? Yes, please. We were wondering how both Dan and Pierce ended up at Lux <laughs> at the bar together. So obviously, we want to ask your opinion. Option A, Dan invited him there, only got 33%. I was so disappointed. Dan stalked Pierce, which was what I said, won this ball with beautiful 66.7%. 
Yeah, I'm not surprised. You just pick the ones where you get proven right. I know. Did you have any polls that proven you right? One. There we go. You picked it. You did. You can't blame me, honestly. I'm not blaming you. I'm just pointing it out. Okay. Girl, we're nearly through. You're nearly through. Yeah, we are done with the Lucifer content, which means season three is done. But. But. Double T. But. Everyone has a but. Some people have a very nice butt. And the people who sent us feedback and wrote us reviews have the best butts. So, before we get into that, I feel like it's time. Yes, yes, we have to have another shot. But I just wanted to point out that those people have the best butts. Hello. Hello. Bing. All right. So, penultimate segment. Feedback. Feedback. It is the time for feedback. That's a song I just wrote. That was actually quite nice. Thank thank you. you. Okay, well, we have gotten a beautiful email that made my heart sing. It is called, I sent a feedback email, is the subject line. And it goes something like this. Long time listener and Twitter poll taker, first time emailer. (laughs) The two of you are a pleasure to listen to. Well, you say that before you listen to this episode. TAOT is my go-to pod for walking because you're great company and all the drunken disagreements never let me down for an awkward public giggle. Well, pretty sure we overdid it this time. As much as I love the show, I think I love it even more because of your commentary, which thank you so much. This is like the highest compliment we can ever get. I have rewatched Lucifer twice since you started, and I'm probably going to be watching season four all over again as you tuck into it. I'm also very ready to experience 5B with you when the time comes. Same. So, spoiler, we're going to be doing the special for the 5B the second it comes out. We already figured out how quickly we can watch it. We're instantly going to record it. We're going to edit it as fast as we possibly can. And then we're going to put it out there. So just like you got a special for 5A, you're going to get a special for 5B. And then obviously you're going to get a very, very detailed analysis of the entire season 5. Mm-hmm. Back to the email. (laughs) You should get recognition for this kind of influence. Please continue being amazing, Jessica. And a little heart. Thank you so much, Jess. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you for getting this feedback in. Thank you so much for taking the time of your day to write this down. It is a pleasure to read. Jessica, question. Did you ever watch Jessica Jones and how did it feel having David Tennant say your name repeatedly? Oh my god. I didn't even think of that. Because... I had the experience of watching the zombie movie 28 days later and having a character in Deathly Terror scream my name. So I wonder how it feels to have David Tennant say Jessica in the way he does. Because it's fucking David Tennant. Serious question. How does it feel? And if you've never watched the show, why haven't you? If you haven't watched the show, let us know and we will send you a clip of David Tennant saying your name. Yes. Because everybody needs to experience that. So Jess, thank you so much for your email. And with this, I want to completely elegantly transition over into we are getting reviews. Some people are taking time out of their day and writing on public visible pages like Apple Podcasts or iTunes and shit like that to write us a review and I definitely want to shout out Brookie Da Cookie because this review just 
made my fucking day because it is immensely positive but it's also extremely honest just listen and then you see what i mean brookie da cookie writes I'm a huge Lucy fan and needed a fix in between season 5A and this long stretched out agonizing wait for season 5B. This was just what I needed. To be honest, the first few episodes took some perseverance to get through, but now I cannot stop listening to these two ladies. I wish I could give them a 10 star rating because of how much attention to detail they go into and their devilish deep dives are so satisfying. Thank you for giving us the Lucy pod that we never knew we needed. The devil is definitely in the details. And I just have to say, I completely understand that our first few episodes, they are an uphill battle. A little bit. But I really appreciate that you stuck with us. And if there is anything you want us to spend specific details on, let us know. Because for this lovely review, I am more than willing to dedicate a devil in the details just to you. Thank you so much for writing the review. Thank you so much for listening. And we do appreciate it. We know that we are very different personalities and we have learned so much about each other in the last year. And as much as sometimes it can get very frustrating and I can get very angry for no good reason. And I'm sure that Lena has the same feelings about me. I have no idea what you're talking about. We can get into situations where we never want to see each other or hear each other ever again. We have been recorded to hate each other. That being said, this podcast have shown me and taught me a lot and I love it and I'm really, really grateful that I get to do this with you, Lena. And I'm really grateful that you guys get to listen to it and that you enjoy it because this is what we do it for. Like, we are not trying to become famous. We're not trying to, you know, break the world's record for the most famous podcasters. We're doing this because we enjoy Cover Lucifer. We enjoy talking bullshit to each other, but also because we see you. We see you listeners. And I know that it's not a big group of people out there, but we appreciate every single one of you. Every single one of you who listens to us is extremely special to us because just the fact that you take time out of your day to listen to us go into every little unnecessary detail and disagreement and discussion means the world to us. Because yes, we enjoy doing this for us, but having the knowledge that there are you guys out there, even if there were one person out there who listens to us, it would be worth it. More than enough. So every single one of you, we appreciate you. Thank you. And this got way more emotional than it was supposed to be. So let's do our penultimate shot because we now go into spoiler territory should i just come up with a song i did not prepare one this week this season spoiler part spoiler part that's whatever the spoiler can (laughs) ta-da So I'm sure you've already gotten, or you're getting now, the music transition. You have gotten the spoiler part. I think it's pretty ingenious for me to... It's brilliant. Yeah, definitely. Spoiler part, spoiler part. Now it's going to be stuck in my brain. You are welcome. Spoiler part. Let's get drink shot and be spoiler part. Yay! Yay!
Let's be spoiler part. Let's be spoiler part. I really hope that if you don't want any spoilers about season four, you have turned off. If not, not our fault. Listen, this is on you. If you didn't turn it off by now, this is on you. So much time. So much time. Three, two, one, be gone. We are gonna split the spoiler part segment into two parts, which is what we think we remember of season four and what we think will happen in season four. So, drum roll, let's start with what we remember or think to remember of season four. Tell me your first one. Eve. Fuck. That is season four? That is season four. Okay, I completely forgot that. (laughs) Well, there you go. Spoiler alert. Nice. Linda's pregnant. Wait, what? That's season... Okay. You go next. Oh, okay. So next thing is not a thing, just one word. It's like a, a complex of things. Chloe is not on board with finding out about Lucy and is trying to kill him. Oh, right. The fucking priest. Yeah. With the help of Graham McTavish. I completely forgot that storyline. I know, right? And then at some point she changes her mind for some reason. And then I know that is there a fire and a barn and an axe and something and all these things involved. She changes her mind. Everything's good. I don't know. I forgot everything about the priest and what related to the priest so dan and ella have sex what isn't that what happens in season four they only have sex once well i feel like it happens but i don't know which season it happens and it's perfectly understandable for it to happen in season four i remember hating it with a passion so i'm very very curious well well we'll see so do you have something else i have one more thing that is eve starts dating mace to make lucifer jealous Oh, do they actually start dating? But there's something going on. I mean, there's something going on. I called it dating because, you know. There's a song happening. May sings for Eve. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. And that's, it's part of the soundtrack thing that they record. I have two more things. Okay. Lucifer gets his devil face stuck at some point. And I do remember the end of season four. Do you remember the end of season four? I think I remember the... Yeah, I remember the the end of season four. As far as I remember, he goes back. I don't remember why, but he goes back to a hell and he leaves Mace. I remember why. I'm not gonna tell you, but I do remember why. We'll see how it goes. But fuck, I completely forgot the entire Eve and priest and everything story. Are you saying you do not remember the two new characters of season four? I completely forgot them and now my predictions make no sense. I remember one more thing about season four. Lucifer's butt is featured. Oh, right. So much more nudity. So much more nudity because it moves to Netflix and they would be okay to do frontal nudity as well. But they actually did a... And I'm going to try to... If anybody doesn't have access to Netflix, I will record it and put it as unlisted to our YouTube channel. So if you need a link, just hit me up. I feel like this is a really good documentary and you probably can find it somewhere they did a whole conversation about how to approach the fact that now they can be explicit so they didn't go full frontal even though they technically could which i think it works really well with the show i mean honestly i do not need lucifer dick exactly nobody needs that it's fine like they featured the bats 
Okay, so final segment. What do we think will happen in season four? And Vero, you reminded me of so many things. Now I really feel bad about my predictions because now that I remember more, it feels extremely weak what I predicted for the next season. Tell me. I made three predictions. Okay, I did four. My first prediction is Chloe is gonna freak out about the whole devil thing for a very good long while, but she is gonna come around at the very end of the season. I didn't say at the very end of the season, but essentially that's also my prediction. Agreement. She's gonna freak out, but she's gonna come around. So counterpart to this, Lucifer is still gonna manage to fuck it up with Chloe somehow. Okay. And my third prediction, Daniel is gonna grieve for Charlotte for a good long while and hopefully he is not going to move on to the next love interest immediately. I want him to healthily process the loss of this relationship. That is fair enough. I have a prediction about Ella and Dan because I did not remember this is the season where they hook up. (laughs) My prediction was because only Ella and Dan don't know about the divine truth at this Mm. stage, it may bring them closer. That's a very good point. Especially because Dan is now in a situation where he is hurting. He might be reaching out to one of his friends. See comfort where you can get it, basically. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, fuck. That is a really good argumentation. And I'm going to try to remember this because I remember hating the Dan Ella stuff. And maybe with this in the back of my mind, it's actually going to make more sense. And I'm going to hate it less. That is really good insight. I mean, I'm here for the good insight. Sometimes we do it for each other. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry, not sorry. Okay, that was my second one. And my third one is I want to see and I expect to see how Ames is going to come back from heaven. Because we know that he comes back, because we know that he is still part of the show. I do not remember anything about him or how he comes back. Very curious what the motivation is going to be for him to return. Exactly. So I expect him to come back at some stage high on power or happiness of being confirmed being being right about his theory yeah so i expect him being a complete dick about it really because i'm gonna say this now and it's gonna be okay if people quote me on this if they throw all of his character development out of the window and have him return as a fucking arrogant asshole i'm gonna be extremely angry I don't think he's going to be arrogant about it. I think that he's going to be like self-assured, but he's still going to be an arsehole about it. Where's the difference? I mean, the motivation? But then there's the last thing. The last thing I predict. And this is the wildest of my theories. Okay, hold on to your heads. And I said it again. Trixie will become a significant character and will drive (laughs) the main plot. She's going to be the most important character of season four. And that's what's going to happen. I believe in it. Wishful thinking. Yes, but also definitely truthful, right? Right? I mean, neither of us would mind and neither would the fans. So maybe we get lucky. And with this, it is time for the final shot. Oh my God. Is this over already? Already? We have been recording for over three hours. Time just flies when you spend it with friends. Time just flies when you're getting drunk. Uh, I'm not talking about the alcohol. We definitely did not drink a single shot tonight. Well, I mean, 
let's be honest, we did not drink enough during season three and we kind of do have a reputation to uphold. So <laughs> us getting this drunk during the summoning episode is fair. Yeah. Cheers. Cheersies. All right. And lovely, lovely people with this. Let's just say if you enjoyed this and you're not yet a patron, we would be so appreciative if you were to consider becoming one of our patrons because spoiler there's gonna be a new level next season oh we didn't even talk about that today no 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 it doesn't belong in season three it's fine it's gonna be season four with the other new stuff that we're planning to do if you don't want to be a patron that's also perfectly fine but if you enjoy this and you want to interact with us probably the best way is find us on twitter because this is where we're the most active so find us on twitter what's our handle the apple of truth right yes is it? that's a okay. twitter <laughs> twitter is the apple of truth facebook and instagram is the aot podcast and patreon as well oh yeah patreon.com slash aot podcast or you can send your emails to lucifer at daot minus podcast.com so seriously, if you want to get in touch with us, Twitter probably is the easiest way or you can obviously send us an email. And we love having contact. And like I said before, if you leave us reviews, we're going to be so grateful. So we hope you enjoyed this at least a fraction of how we enjoyed ourselves because then you definitely had a great time. Yes. Vero, say goodbye. Bye. And with this, good night and farewell. And and bye on three. Three two, one. Bye! Bye. <laughs> Feel free to not use the bye because we already had the nice goodbye.